Welcome to The Receptive Life. We're learning how to fight against the unholy trinity, to defend ourselves with the promises that come from the person and the work of Jesus, but also learning how to receive all of the gifts that can only come from the hands of the triune God. So in addition to the daily practice, uh, I'm going to encourage you that throughout the week, you spend some time meditating upon the, the six chief parts or the foundation of the Christian faith. So in this series of videos, we're talking about this first station of the week on Monday. Uh, we're going to call it Station 7, the Ten Commandments. And you note there, uh, you do the daily practice, right? Stations 1 through 6. And then think about it this way. On Monday, uh, you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate. Uh, I'm going to think more about uh, what God has to say about life, His will and way. Uh, and look at the Ten Commandments. So there's a little Bridger verse that we uh, I like to use from Psalm 119, uh, verse 32. So think of it this way, as you prepare uh, to meditate on the Ten Commandments, you can say this little verse, Psalm 119, verse 32, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And uh, maybe this is a different way of thinking about it, but perhaps the world sees the Ten Commandments as just, you know, don'ts, uh, stop, right? No. But yeah, yes, there are warnings, right? But in the Ten Commandments, God also gives to us uh, great uh, invitations and gifts. So not just stop that, but rather I want to invite you to live in a different way, to start uh, doing something different. So the Ten Commandments always focus on love, right? Jesus is asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love for God, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But he says the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we break that word love into love God, love neighbor, and then we can say again, um, the first three table, uh, first three commandments of the law are the the table that speak about love for God. Again, in my Lutheran tradition, we number those commandments one through three. The, the second table, love for God, commandments four through ten. So Martin Luther, in his small catechism, gives us a great gift. He teaches us, in a clear and simple way, about these ABCs of the Christian life. And so you'll find, as you read the small catechism, little questions and then answer that the heads of the household. So the catechism is not meant to be church book, but rather uh, used within the house, a house book. So this is an example of the first commandment. Uh, he writes, thou shalt have no other gods. Well, what does this mean? Answer, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So very simple, right? Uh, what does it mean that you shall have no other gods? Fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, everyone has a God. Uh, let's say it this way. Everyone believes in something. Everyone trusts in something. It might not be the triune God, but our heart always clings to something, right? Where is it that we go in times of trouble? And usually, if you find the answer to that, you can say, well, that is your God. Everyone has has a God. They might not be able to identify it, or it might not be the triune God, but everyone believes in something. Everyone has a hope, a trust uh, in, in something. Now, faith, therefore, always has an object. 
Um, so it is the object of the faith and uh, the trust, the belief that we have. Um, and the question is, is the object of my faith the true God, the triune God, or is it a false God? Um, so we all believe in something. This this faith always has to have an object outside of itself. What is it that we hold on to, trust, call upon? And then the, the real question then is, is that faith, um, does it have its object, the triune God, the true God, or does it have uh, as its object a false God? So Psalm 115 verses 1 through uh, 8 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And then the psalmist says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. And then he goes on to describe the idols. Well, these idols, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. And those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And so you can you can imagine it, right? These these little idols made of silver or gold or wood, and they're carved, uh, they're molded in such a way that uh, you know you, you can see their face, and they have a mouth, um, uh, eyes, uh, ears. But the psalmist says. Though they have those things, they can't. They can't speak. They can't hear. They can't. Can't see. Now, a real image of this is um, my father, uh, our family. They, we were missionaries in Papua New Guinea, and so we were in this um, season of uh, of life uh, for five years. And there, uh, my father would go into the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And uh, there he would share the gospel of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, um, he shared the gospel. Uh, individuals were baptized. And uh, about a year after doing that, there was a knock on uh, his door in the middle of the night, which was strange because this culture would not go out at night because uh, fear of all of the, they would talk about them as the Puddha duties, uh, you know, the, the devils, the, the demons would come out, uh, come out at night, the evil spirits. And so they didn't want to go out at night. But there's this knock at the door in the middle of the night and um, the elders of the tribe had come and they had uh, had something wrapped up and they presented it to my father and it was this little idol, this little god that they had made out of uh, hemp and uh, human hair and they, they wove it all together and you can see that it has a mouth and, and, and eyes and, and arms and fingers and feet. Um, and, you know, the mouth is open so they would say when something bad happened within you know, the village, uh, the gods must be angry. And so they would uh, sacrifice a pig and pour oil uh, into the mouth of this, into the mouth of this pig, hoping, uh, or into the mouth of this idol, hoping then that the gods would be appeased and that, you know, the illness would go away or the weather would change or the tragedy wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Now, that's a real life idol, right? And now you might think in our Western culture, we don't have such things, you know, as that. But we do trust in something, right? Uh, 
Now, the good news is that uh, opposing these idols made to look like, uh, you know, uh, human features, right? Mouth, eyes, ears, hands. We have the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Son of God. John chapter 1 says, This word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So think of it this way. The second person of the Trinity has taken on human flesh. The big word is incarnate, takes on human flesh. So Jesus has eyes. He has ears. Um, you know, he has a mouth. He speaks. He has hands that are outstretched and we'll find you know, that he, those hands are pierced for the sins of the world. He suffers for us. He uh, even dies on our behalf, the wage of sin being death. We have a God in the, in the flesh in Jesus. You could say it this way. We have a God who understands. If he has taken on human flesh, the scripture says he is our brother. He understands, sympathizes with our weaknesses. He became human flesh so that he might be under the law, under God's wrath. Galatians speaks of it this way. Uh, at the proper time, this one took on human flesh, uh, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. So he's born of flesh to take sin upon himself under the law, under the wrath of God. He goes to the cross and dies for us, a sacrifice of atonement uh, in our place. He crushes sin. He crushes death. He crushes the power of the devil. The scripture says all sin then is put under his foot. He rules and reigns. He, he continues to care for us. And then he comes to us uh, through means, in, with, and under the word and the sacraments. So everyone has a God. Everyone believes in something. And so we should question, what is, you know, what is the source, the object of my hope, the object of my trust? When things go wrong, to whom do I pray? Do we run to these idols? In Papua New Guinea, it was that, that idol that they had made looked like a little man. Do we run to such things? Uh, maybe we haven't made them. Maybe they're not in our house. But in our own mind, we all run to something. Faith always has an object. And the question is, what is the object of our faith? Is the object the true God, the triune God, or is it another, a false God? The disciples that are following Jesus, some of them begin to leave when the teaching um, is hard to understand or there is persecution facing them. And Jesus looks to the 12 that are following him and he says, um, do you want to leave also? And Peter responds this way, John 6, To whom shall we go? Where else can we go? To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. This is the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, trust in God above all things. <laughs>